Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. I'm Jack Chew. This is Chewing It Over, our weekday daily show in which we talk about whatever might be hot at the time or whoever might be hot at the time, as, as the case may be today. Uh, I can see him smirking at me in the lobby there. Um, we've got a cracking guest on today and one of a topic that uh, me and he have been uh, discussing uh, in various different formats um, on and off mic, I guess, over time. Um, but the, one of the things that's exciting, particularly about this today, is that I've recently tried to stabilize the signal and go to a different router. And one of the key proponents that gives me banter for when the signal is glitchy is Alistair Beverly. And he's on the show today. And so I hope that he gives me a bit of a pass if it starts playing up today. But it means he can't be in the comment section, section bantering me uh, simultaneously whilst joining me on the show. Um, so thanks so much for those of you that, that joined yesterday and the great feedback we've had for Leanne Antoine's first guest host of Chewing It Over. Um, so you'll be noticing that more frequently, not just from Leanne, but others uh, on Tuesdays as I go and wrestle the, the, the kids from nursery uh, and hopefully uh, be able to tune in and maybe even get into the comment section myself in time. But uh, Leanne did a brilliant show yesterday with a lady called Arnie, who, you know, I knew this would happen, but she did a, such a good show that now I want to talk to both of them on another show. So I, I need to get on them to, to email them uh, to see if we could maybe continue that conversation because it was fascinating. But without further ado, let me hide my little frame and bring in my mate and yours, Alistair Beverly. Can you hear me, mate? I can, yeah. Sorry, Jack, I zoned out a sec there. She's just so used to sitting and listening to this that I was just sort of in the zone of listening rather than like, oh, crap, I'm going yeah, to be on it. Uh, <laughs> I will wait for you to turn up in the comments <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the chat or something. Um, so, yeah, well, as the title, somewhat astute listeners may well have spotted, um, Leanne was two days ago, not yesterday, is what Jim's just said. This is, this is putting me off. Carrying on. How do you choose your guests? <laughs> It's not true. This is just not. This is. Let's just fact check Jim on this. Leanne was on yesterday. Anyway, stop distracting me. I'm turning. I'm, I'm not looking at the chat for a second now. Ali, why? Why we? When I came to you this morning, I had a cancellation. Um, we've been meaning to do this for a little while, and I said, "You got the time. What do you fancy talking about?" You put this topic forward. It's something that definitely overlaps significantly with stuff we've talked about before, and I know you're passionate about. But why is it particularly on your mind at the moment? So I've been on social media where I like to lurk um, and the comments section of chewing it over, obviously. Um, and I've uh, there's been a there's currently an inquest ongoing into the death of a lady called Rachel Johnson. Um, unfortunately, working in learning disabilities, we have quite a significant number of in inquests. In fact, there's a whole reporting system and national inquest that goes out called the Leader Leader, which is learning from deaths of people with learning disabilities. Um, and so I follow quite a few people who live tweet inquests. And there's currently an inquest um, into a case called Rachel Johnson, which is still ongoing. But there's a gentleman, a person called George Julian, who helped helpfully live tweets uh, and live blogs the, the inquests, um, including quotations for what's said. Um, so it's quite, I quite find it quite a good learning tool for me. Um, and there were some some comments that stuck out. So for, so for a bit of context, and as I say, it's an ongoing inquest. There's a lady called Rachel Johnson who was admitted to hospital to have all of her teeth removed uh, due to severe decay. She got learning disabilities from a care home um, and then came home and then subsequently passed away um, due to one thing or another, as I say, that's still ongoing. But I just wanted to tease out uh, some of the some of the quotes from that. Um, and this is one of the ITU nurses, and I'm quoting verbatim from the, from the blog here. I retweeted it this morning saying that 
given the state of her normal life, her normal ability to function, and the fact that you put, sorry, the more you put a patient through significant trials and tribulations. So just again, this was talking about the decision to not give this person uh, life support on an intensive care situation. So they were denied intensive care bed as I read it. Um, and the consultant was defending their decision. This was back in 2018, so pre-COVID as well. Um, again, for more context. And again, later on, when we take into account what quality of life was before their understanding, that affects the decision we make. The decision was not made by me at the time, but I fully support it. And again, you need to remember that this person went on to die um, from having their teeth removed. Um, and it sort of got me reflecting on, on, you know, this is an extreme case and for MSK, it's not necessarily, you know, directly applicable in terms of how the decisions that we make. Um, however, you could argue with things like, you know, quarter equina and, 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 you know, other red flag pathologies that, that there is an element of that in there. But, you know, where do our values lie and what values based healthcare? So I started to look into that a little bit. Um, and I came up with an interesting report from the Uni of Oxford in 2019 for the, with the Centre of Evidence-Based Medicine and just talking about, well, what is values-based healthcare? You know, we all have values. We all get into healthcare because we, you know, give a shit, for want a better phrase. And I was quite worried about some of the, the terminology that's in there since I wanted to tease those apart a little bit. Is that all right in terms of context? I appreciate it. I, I ramble on quite a lot. I say no, that without telling much. No, that no that's that's great and I'll, I'll bring you back in a sec i suppose for me you know i snapped your hand off when you suggested this topic because i feel like it's going to set the scene for future conversations in this direction i suppose one thing i want to just clarify is values based and value based yes now i may well have misunderstood and and and, and sometimes you know they, those things overlap of course yes. uh bigger and, and they're both topics in themselves i have put in the title value based and i think that one of the things that me and you have talked about before is that then when um when we when we discuss this and when there is a system of which needs to weigh up pros and cons and makes decisions and, and plays god on it then um do you think is, is it a typo of mine or is it all the all under the same no, topic I, I, that we talk about value and values sometimes that that actually can can uh, be a disruptive force and confusing force rather than something that people realize is is, is relevant i think the two are inextricably linked to be honest jack um, I think, you know, if you have a value-based healthcare system, and that is a healthcare system that recognises that resources are finite and we need to deliver, you know, value for money, which we all understand, you know, you and I both worked in the NHS, we both worked now in private practice or whatever, you know, we understand that, you know, there aren't magic wands that we can wave from a financial point of view. However, that then does put the onus onto the values of the clinicians or the people making decisions yeah. at the point of contact based on what are their values and so you know much as you can look at the whether the s it matters or not i think the whole thing is is one big one big big values value value whatever you want to describe it as yeah, yeah. no exactly i suppose the minute that those things become unlinked then it's bad philosophy bad yeah. ethics and, and bad practice yes. because essentially then uh, if you reduce someone to uh, a statistic and then accountants can run the world you're just in a really difficult uh, depersonalized situation yeah. but similarly people the, the values of different professionals different teams different circumstances different services different you know, uh, yep. times of uh, different politics means that you end up in, in situations where you know, someone's values and the values on on macro is going to vary in time. Yep. What do you let's let's get stuck into this this case? Well, it doesn't need to be that just this case, but mm. I suppose if we're going to use that as an example, the 
the issue here, by the sound of things from what I've picked up already, obviously you're closer to this than, than I am. I've tried to catch up as quickly as I can. What would you say is the, the is it is it that they their their read of her pre-op status is something that is just laced with stereotype and assumption and isn't accurate? Yeah. Or is it that fundamentally the evaluation of that is something that you don't think should be factored in at all? So for me, and, and this was, you know, we'll come on to it in a little bit in terms of the COVID pandemic, but for me, it is about learning disability is not a medical healthcare diagnosis. It's something that I scream from the rooftops and people don't die from a learning disability. They die from poor healthcare. So a learning disability is not even a comorbidity, you know, in terms of physiological. Now, there are a lot of people with learning disabilities who carry comorbidities. We understand that. Um, and I think that my beef with it is that the learning disability was tagged on, which as, as a comorbidity, and therefore that devalued any sort of clinical decision because, well, they've got a learning disability. Well, they only, they only sit in a care home. You know, it doesn't really matter. And, and and again, it, it's ableism at its at its absolute finest um, or worst, for want of a better phrase. You know, we sure. we judge other people's lives based on our own values. Now that you know, I'm talking about people who learn disabilities here, but that could be everything. That could be people who saying, well, people who don't go to the gym shouldn't be allowed to access to healthcare. You know, it's, it sort of goes further than just with learn disabilities. And this case is about learn disabilities, and that's what I scream from the rooftops about. But it goes beyond mm. that, and and I think we, we I, I worry again and again and again when these cases come up and they do come up if you look um again as i say my my twitter feed is diverted in that direction but you know there are so many cases where i just think what are the values of the person at that point making that decision and even this person in hindsight in a coroner's court you know not this by the way that that the the clinician wasn't necessarily at fault they follow procedure in terms of discharge so but but even at the point where this person has died and there's an inquest, they still go, I fully support the decision based on the fact this person had learning disabilities. And now I don't know if the person had comorbidities, but the fact of the matter is that wasn't given as an evidence in court. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a, there's a sort of sequel that's assumed there. But I suppose one of the things with, with that is because, I mean, you're absolutely right to, to highlight as you do that it's not a, you know, people don't die of learning disabilities. It's, it's a great, great thing. And I'm, I'm pleased that you keep leaning on that. However, because I think in the psychology of, of those that aren't specialists within the health system in LD, mm -hmm. because I think sometimes many of us have been, and I'm trying to give benefit of the doubt to something that I'm, I'm not a big fan of at all. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, I'm shoulder to shoulder with you on this, especially on the education and awareness piece. But I think because say someone's got profound CP, for example, then coinc coincidentally also has learning disabilities mm -hmm. um, and difficulty and, and various different, I know, you know, you make the right distinctions there, yeah. of course, but what I would be, I think that I don't give anyone a pass, but I also think that, that the assumptions are sometimes based on these things coexisting and that comorbidities yeah. Yeah. then that would be, you know, that would be a more relevant recognizable factor for when factoring in finite resources, uh -huh. but they're making a mistake of then making that assumption yeah. and jumping. Am I, am I splitting hairs there or do you see what I mean? No, I think I, I do see what you mean. And, and I think there is a, there is a distinction between, um, somebody having comorbidities and also having a learning disability but i think like you mentioned earlier on about you know people may not have come across these conditions before and you know that is okay but the difficulty comes when when we overlay and override all of our clinical decision making 
and treat the person yeah. as though the learning disability is somehow a life limiting factor for me and i think that that's where yeah. it, it goes wrong now okay so yeah we, we say you know not everyone's going to you know be a specialist in this area um and, and that's completely fine but what i sort of my beef on that is that there are hundreds about four or five hundred learning disability specialist physios in the country there are a good 20 odd thousand learning disability nurses in this country and where are the voices about this you know my whole premise for setting up as as the ld physio because i'm creative with letters and words and that um was was to give a voice uh, and, an, and an inside voice for want of a better phrase there's a lot of yeah. healthcare. there's a lot of self-advocates out there talking about health inequality for people with learning disabilities there's a lot of angry families and actually we did a um, a web chat on our web chat service tough topics in ld just to give that a, a nudge <laughs> with a, a parent carer just to say you know about engagement with families and, and, and how quickly families are given the label of problem parents or troublemakers and that for that yeah. you can just discredit everything that they say and so but there's no professionals talking about it there's no there isn't a, a voice from within the all that i could see at that point and certainly not within physiotherapy um yes there is no, i think that's a, that's an issue um in a major way because i think that people are they bottle it really they think that oh this is going to come across as accusatory and mm -hmm. so instead of then trying to tell that line carefully as, as you do they know that that's that's too hard work let's just sit on our hands or cross our fingers that something shifts or that someone yeah. else will do it and, and unfortunately that is a, a degree of cowardness that permeates beyond what you're doing but also seems to because because you've got lower numbers then it, it, it means there's fewer stand up yeah. you know it's that's the thing as soon as you've got a few heretics will stand up amongst the tens of thousands if you've only got hundreds then yeah. it's literally no one or one yeah now what what i want to try and get into is we were saying about playing god and the fact that essentially they commodity they commoditize or lose the humanity of these patients and they will seem to forego their human rights as, a, as an equal um and that is something that is fascinating in what is meant to be self-selecting for compassion you know the healthcare profession exactly why why do we think that is and is it is do you think it is almost a systemic ableism in society even amongst healthcare professionals or is it something more than that no i mean i i think i think you've hit the nail on the head from what from what i've seen i think it is a, a systemic issue within society you know if you look at how populations of people with disabilities now not necessarily learned disabilities so disabled people who can self-advocate you know people like tanny gray thompson for example you know people who have as strong and powerful a voice as you or i they still experience the health inequalities that they do um and and so you know that shows that there is still the stigma attached to being disabled or having a disability um and when you when you add in you know the, the learning disability i think people people don't want to have to make the effort and you know people with learning disabilities do take more effort that's the reason that the equality act is there and that's the reason it's enshrined in law to make reasonable adjustments which is giving people more time but it's not you know back to healthcare our clinics aren't set up like that you know you know you bang one bam thank you ma'am you know 20 minute repeat if you're lucky you know two sessions and you're out in, in, a, in a nhs provision um and so i guess i think there are issues in society and i think that does like you, you know you mentioned even within a self-selecting community of healthcare professionals 
we still seem to struggle with this notion of care for people with learning disabilities and, and my, my concern is that is if we can't care for people with learning disabilities how the hell are we going to are we going to affect change at scale on a more societal level sure yeah exactly that that should be the thin end of the wedge that should be the easier yeah thing to get through um i suppose one of the one of the things i want to try to to understand that i know me and you have got into a little bit but certainly I, i'm pretty sure it was was certainly off mic hmm. is what's your take on how far provision should go or should be moved in order to try to level the playing field more appropriately uh, in terms of resources at least for um, people with learning disabilities so for example there are if, if i was to sort of lay out a spectrum yeah. one one side being that essentially you know that they the if the provisions are if the provisions are made equal amongst all people regardless of need then fundamentally we, we obviously recognize that that would mean that those that, that, that need more yeah. because of their uh, uh, disabilities are going to then suffer but then on the other side is that then in order to in order for someone with a learning disability to to then be afforded all of the resources that could get them to a state of you know there's like almost different competency thresholds almost as to where they could could, could they could be where do you end up sitting um, and how is it at the moment in society um sort of layer leveled on that because i think that one of the things that makes people a bit averse to sometimes this conversation is they think that if we get carried away on that theme we really are looking at magic wands and magic mm -hmm. trees and things yeah. in order to, to, to always truly give fair provision so where's your head up with that i think that you know there's a there's a di differentiation between um equality and equity and i think you know you know we equality would be you know there's a great picture online that sums it up with people looking over a, a high wall um and it's yeah. got a tall person short person person in a wheelchair you know and it's talking about equality is we give everybody the same so everybody gets one step two people still can't see over the wall you know equity is where you give people the things that they need to be able to see over the wall so you give people slightly more than others and and you know i think it's it's not necessarily so again i must must you know reflect i i speak from a great center of privilege as a non-disabled white straight male i am very aware of that and so i may not be the best person to say what society is like at the moment but i can comment on on as a professional working with people with disabilities the narratives that are coming back and I think you know I, I know that our healthcare system is finance i used to be part of the nhs system working in the community i've been there with my peugeot 307 around mansfield you know it's um with the zimmer frame in the back you know that was sort of the limit of what you got um but my my, my beef comes more with the fact that the changes that are required are not necessarily great you know to to accommodate somebody with a learning disability in practice you don't have to have bells, whistles, you know, millions more pounds of equipment. They are small changes that if done correctly and applied correctly can make a whole difference. And that can just be giving somebody a double session. It can just be allowing somebody to come for a look around before they come. It can just be giving information in an accessible format. It can just be allowing, in spite of COVID, a carer or representative or advocate to come so that that person in an in inpatient situation feels more comfortable and therefore they can talk about some of the needs you might miss you know none of these things that we talk about are you know great big magic money ones that they're small things that we can all do um mm. and, and that's where that's i think that's part of my frustration in this is that you know i see the things that we can do and i work with an amazing team where i am right now 
And, you know, I see the things that those guys do to engage people and it all comes back down to engagement. You know, look at MSK at the moment. It's focusing on, you know, rapport building and engagement and crikey, how long have we been banging that drum? Um, so, yeah. so, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, much as we talk about a spectrum, I don't see that it would take millions more pounds, billions more pounds of investment to give us a more level playing field. It would just take healthcare professionals to make those small reasonable adjustments in order to make a difference. Yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not asking for much. No, absolutely. And and that's the thing with, uh, and, and just because I'm, I'm that much of a pro, check what I've found. Oh, there you go. Um, so <laughs> as we speak. Um, so yeah, this is what Alistair was talking about. I suppose a couple of things. Typically, I mean, the, the, this one, uh, certainly with, with regards to disability advocacy, I have less of a, of a beef with, but essentially uh, one of the reasons that these, these styles of graphics sometimes irritate me a little bit is because they've made, they've made out that that one variable yeah. is the be all and yeah. end all. And there's a third pain that you've probably seen on these where it's like, take the bloody fence I was just, down. I was just going to say, knock the sudden fence you know, down, yeah. <laughs> fundamentally, you're like, the, 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 what you're doing is on that image, and, and like any analogy, it's got its, it's got its challenges, but essentially by you suggesting that that barrier then can't be improved upon, that is a fixed and controlled yeah. item. And then the only thing we can do is manipulate the variables underneath someone. And therefore, uh, to, to see equity like that, meaning that you think about all the complex features that affect someone's life and opportunity, then it is such a, it's such a, a game that just almost couldn't be played. It's an impossible game yeah. if you're trying to find boxes instead of working on the fence. Yeah. That's kind of where my bias is. Now, when it comes, but, but you know, as I say, in this instance, it, it, it's totally appropriate that in that particular context, in order to see the game and that fence then being something that they're not going to be able to change in that moment, then get a ramp and yeah. stop making excuses and, and, and to find ways to at least recognize that before they get there. Yeah. Uh, so, so no, it's a, it's a really fair point. And I think that one that I'm glad we've been able to talk about, because I think that it is a, it, it's a, it's a stereotype that gets played where it's like, well, you know, everything, you know, my, these ancient buildings can't be, can't be, yeah. there can't be ramps everywhere or, or the, 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 there's an inference that people like, um, I mean, it's different, obviously, with LD, but especially when it comes to sort of the, uh, well, to some extent different, but certainly in the physical disability space, oh, they want lifts in everything. And it's like, as if, as if, oh, therefore, we shouldn't even think in that direction. Yeah. You know, it's like... So they're not allowed to go give, upstairs then, you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's a cartoonish example of, yeah. of what they're inferring, and, and it's not fair. So it's important for us to sort of cover that, that there's certainly more, it's a more thoughtful conversation than is, than is sometimes had by those that just want to dismiss it and palm it off and things. Okay. Now, when, when it comes to the healthcare inequality that, that occurs at that, at that provision level for adults with learning disabilities, one of the things that is particularly scary about the amount of inquests that occur from what seemingly are more routine, sometimes serious, but routine, circumstances that someone's had to engage with healthcare that then is is so so overrepresented that someone with learning disabilities then has adverse events that would will considered low probability mm -hmm. um and, and in the, in this instance you know you or i uh to have to have needed to have our teeth removed um what i would say is that that that, that is something that only learning about it only hearing about it can make people realize that because they're underexposed to it unless they're in a particular circumstance like you are to yep. pay very close attention. What are the, what do you think are the, um, I mean, unless, I mean, like if you've got statistics on the, uh, you know, uh, to hand then fine, but generally speaking, like what is the significant overrepresentation in those sorts of cases? I don't have statistics to hand on that one, to be honest. Um, <laughs> on no, that's fine. 
that's fine. I think, uh, sorry, just to go back on, on a previous point you were making about um, mm. the small change and about the wall and that sort of, you know, mm. I think it, it, make, it makes the point of actually when we're looking at system design and, and clinic design specifically in an MSK setting, you know, if you design a clinic with accessibility in mind, then everybody benefits. You know, clearly back to that picture, that, that football pitch was put up with a wall around the edge, which wasn't built with accessibility in mind. Now, if somebody had had the forethought at that point to think, well, actually, you know, this might let, let's build one so everybody can see, then everyone gets to watch the game and nobody's hindered. So, you know, I'd certainly suggest that people out there who are looking at setting up clinics or doing, you know, audits, internal audits about their clinics to just look at their structure and how they how they work and, and, and look at some standards. There's, a, there's the Royal College of Nursing, five good communication standards um, and, and, and build your your clinic or your what have you with with accessibility in mind because then nobody's left out um mm -hmm. just a couple more things and i'm sorry jack i've realized that i've um, digressed from your point your question no, um okay. in terms of learning more um there's a couple of um things that i can point people in direction of one is a report that's called death by indifference um which was uh, in quite a report into the the death of a person with learning disability. And another one is uh, find a lady called Paula McGowan, her son, Oliver, Oliver McGowan, um, again, who passed away. And, and I think in, in a lot of these situations, people entered the healthcare system, not necessarily in both of these, but in one of them, they entered this healthcare system in an, in an, in an innocuous manner. You know, Oliver was coming in because he's got his epilepsy checked out, you know, which is a fairly innocuous thing. You know, somebody might present at an MSK clinic, you know, and so those contacts that happen early, that the, the, the and the situations where they reviewed what's happened to the death, you know, things that were happened or didn't happen earlier on cascaded and, and you know, and, and impacted on ultimately contributed ultimately to somebody's death because things were missed. And so, you know, you might be sat there right now thinking, well, I don't necessarily people would learn disability in my clinic. And that, and I, my challenge to you on that would be, well, that's part of the problem. Um, <laughs> you know, the fact that, you know, yeah. you don't think that you need to tune in or that this, you know, web chat might get less views than, the other ones, because people don't think they need to give a shit, shows me what an issue we have as a culture and society of healthcare professionals. And I'd be interested, Jack, to find out figures actually um, on, you know, I don't know if you've got figures on on, on watch or downloads or whatever. Yeah, we'll uh, and, be, and, we're and, always, and, always able. And it's to, not able to do that's that. not that's not for my ego in any way, shape, or form. But I think it would prove a point in terms of you know we talked about that self-selecting group of people and necessarily you know what is the engagement with subjects like this. Um, which I mean, in this, that's uh, just one one thing. Certainly, the the, the, the uh, download rates, etc., and, and tuning figures, etc., we can definitely look at. I suppose one thing I certainly haven't done is I've, I've purposely me and you have got stuck into this. Yeah. And I've not been usually asked the audience to get stuck in, and, and we're definitely going to have you back. So we'll have other shows in which I will bait them in more. But certainly, as far as I can see so far, it's very similar similar sorts of rates, and so yeah. I'm sure people are going to be interested. What what um whilst we, whilst we need to wrap up, I, I wondered. When, when we're thinking about this stuff, I think that it's one of the ways in, I guess, and one of the reasons why I was, I was so pleased that you suggested this as a topic is that this is a, it is a proxy for thinking thoughtfully about what systems we want to create, thinking about upskilling MSK therapists as well as then upskilling LD therapists. You've, you've obviously uh, made the point uh, pre previously on physio matters, the fact that you, it frustrates you that sometimes your counterparts will allow themselves to de-skill in the versatility mm -hmm. and their MSK skills and therefore not really consider their rehab needs and things like that and keep their core principles and stuff. So we need to blur those lines and, and yeah. interplay more. Um, and, and the only way to really do that is sometimes to 
to speak to people's understanding and biases that might be more accessible to them. So if it feels too obscure, they're more likely to like, shy away from it. Whereas topics like this, if you if you even vaguely engage, not even just as a healthcare professional, but as a member of society, as a taxpayer, like what systems do we want to create? What access do we want to do? Do we champion legitimate human rights and equality uh, to baseline uh, for for people's decency and dignity uh, when they actually engage in in systems that we're meant to be co-creating? Now, there's obviously much uh, much to say about. Uh, corruption-related variables, as well as the macro politics and the changes that are difficult to make. But on, on a basic level, when it comes to interactions between clinicians and patients, this stuff is so important, and the ethics of it permeates everything. Uh, and so I think that picking, you know, us talking about topics like this now and, and, and in the future is is certainly, I think you're onto something. You know, I mentioned the thin end of the wedge earlier. Like it, It's sometimes painful that it's sometimes not as much of a leverage as we'd think it would be. Mm -hmm. But topics like this, I think, are so translatable. And, and I'm, I'm excited for being able to sort of bring that forward and also to um, to bring you on with some of some of our other guests, I think. I think this is the sort of thing we could almost have little panels on, which mm -hmm. we've not done much of on Tune It Over, but we've certainly got the facility, now that my internet's a bit more stable, <laughs> uh, to, to do that. Um, tell folk a little bit about uh, some of the co-projects that you've got on at the moment, uh, as well as then how people can find you. Yeah, I mean, crikey, 2021 seems to have exploded a little bit in terms of people wanting to get involved. And I think, you know, a lot of that is down to thanks for you, Jack, in, in terms of your, you know, using the platform and leeching off other people's success. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've got some, uh, I'm hopefully going to be engaging with the CSP a little bit later this year. We've got quite a few university talks coming up um, and we... I'm currently working on a website, which I've teased a couple of times. I've been speaking to the guys this morning um, in terms of logo design and, web and website content. And the, the delay has been a little bit of me typing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it surprises you, doesn't it, how long that's making a website? Who would have thought it takes time when you've not you know, doing any spare time? Um, so, yeah, I'm on I'm on socials. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at, at the LD Physio, um, LinkedIn at Alice Beverly, And hopefully soon we'll be able to add a website to that, too. Brilliant. Distinct physiotherapy. Looking forward to watching this one on replay. Joe Turner said, I saw your tweet the other day, Alistair, about equity in healthcare. I didn't understand it. And now I do. Thank you. So this is a, a further translation piece. Uh, now that I've just opened the comments back up. Thank you for those that have tuned in. It was less of a me baiting the audience for questions and more me and Alistair wanting to get stuck into that base ethics of, of things. And we'll definitely talk about it again. What's amusing is Alistair said, as if he's leeching off, uh, off, off our platform, it's ridiculous. I'm the leech of actual experts <laughs> in the field, such as Alistair. Make sure you follow him and his work and what him and Sean are doing on Tough Topics in LD. I've been enjoying those when I've had a chance to tune into them. So please do find those as well. Take care, mate. We'll speak soon. And let's try and make this a regular thing, if that's all right. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. It's a nice one.